This week on Morbidly Intoxicated, I'm going to tell you guys about the Pizza Plus murders and the Pennsylvania Beth Doe. Hey, you want to grab a drink? Hi, Sierra. (laughs) Hello, Lily. We are here in Lily's boiling garage. We are queer. Get used to it. No, no. (laughs) Only one of us. (laughs) (laughs) For the record, you might hear more birds this week because it is a crisp 97 degrees in Arizona. Stop, it's already 97. It's already 97. Oh, I won't. Oh. I won't take a sip of this. Okay, well, since Lily's like really in a hurry, <laughs> let me tell you what we're drinking. It's the Rancho La Gloria. I said that's so white. <laughs> <laughs> Ready to drink strawberry margarita cocktail. You're like a suburban mom. You know. Hola. <laughs> a dog mom. Oh my gosh. Ooh, tart. <laughs> it's good. I know, my cousin had it, and I called her, and she's like, it's kind of, like, sour and tart. She was right. It is. Yeah. We have some business to talk about before Mm -hmm. we get started. On our Instagram, within the next, like, week or two, you're gonna see um, videos. And we actually have a YouTube page now. Oh, right. Did I forget to tell you about that? (laughs) Didn't know about that at all. (laughs) If you guys aren't aware, Lily does all the work. And I, I do. Just I do all the work. I Let do my me, own research. Yeah, she does her own research. But <laughs> um, and we also have some fantastic collabs coming up um, with the Bad Apple Divas yes. and Give Us Morg. Ah, so I'm so excited. I'm literally like, I've been listening to both of them this past week and cracking up. Oh, they're both hilarious. And they're just yeah. I feel like they're the two sides of us, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> it's so funny. If you haven't listened to those podcasts, you need to check them out. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead and check them out. Yeah. Subscribe. Uh, Rate and review or whatever they say. <laughs> Give them good reviews. <laughs> Haters. Rate and review. Our four star. Fuck you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Cut that out. <laughs> I'm aware I talk like a crackhead, okay? <laughs> I know. No, yeah, seriously, check this podcast out. So hopefully we'll start actually posting videos of our recordings as well. Or at least some clips. You can see our ugly faces when we record. Speak for yourself. I was. (laughs) (laughs) You're a monster. Oh my god. So our YouTube account's just going to be Morbidly Intoxicated Podcast. Cool. Pretty simple. It's going to have our cover photo on it. Okay, so I'm going to tell you first about the Pizza Plus murders. Okay. And this was actually... Wait, are you doing both cases in the, in same, the same episode? episode? Yeah, because they're smaller oh. cases. One of them was recommended, uh, this first one, was recommended by our uh, listeners. Ooh. Right? Okay. I love that. So let's get started. On March 30th, 2009, at a pizza place in Tazewell, Virginia, an employee of Pizza Plus came into work to find the bodies of the owners, Harvey and Valerie Looney. When the police arrived, they discovered a brutal robbery gone wrong. So this is going to have a trigger warning in front of it. The day before their 29th wedding anniversary, Harvey and Valerie were brutally murdered in their own restaurant. 
Harvey's throat was slit outside the back door, and Valerie was found in the kitchen with her throat slit as well. She also suffered blunt force trauma to the head. Police immediately went to interview the couple's only son, Christopher Looney, who lived with his parents. Detectives asked him if there was anyone that wanted to hurt the couple. Chris said he had no idea who would want to hurt them. They were well-liked by friends and family. They also asked Chris why he didn't find it weird that his parents never came home the night before. He told detectives that his parents had said they were going out to celebrate for their anniversary, so he figured they stayed out late or stayed at a hotel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't like Chris? Likely story, Christopher. Oh, my God. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I guess that's fair. I don't, I don't know. When police searched the place, they found that the money from the safe was gone and that the fire extinguisher was covered in blood and put back in its holder, which led police to believe that it was somebody that knew the restaurant really well. Because they would know where the fire extinguisher was. Mm-hmm. Plus, that could be what they used for the blunt force trauma that had the blood on it. Yeah. Okay. So that's what they are actually finding out. Uh, it was later discovered that the fire... I keep wanting to say hydrant. <laughs> that the fire extinguisher was the tool used to hit Valerie Looney over the head. Oh, they had a strong suspicion about Chris, but no physical evidence to prove it. So they were kind of like already looking at him from the get-go. Um, right. I think it is a little suspicious that he was like, oh, I just thought they stayed out. Yeah. Because like, my parents used to do that every now and then. Like, they go on a date night. But like uh, literally around midnight, I would call them and be like, where are you? Like, do I need to come pick you up? Oh, my gosh. Or what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? I do that with my mom now. My mom's a freaking party animal now. And ever since I moved out. Isn't your mom, like, almost in her 60s? She's her 58 this year. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I thought you no, said 60 she, for some reason. No, 58. She, like, literally since I moved out and she's an empty nester, she goes out, like, every night. Aww. <laughs> and she goes dancing with her friends and everything. But I'm always like, if I come home on a weekday and it's like nine, I'm like, where are you? Why aren't you home? <laughs> where so are you? So it's kind of weird. Yeah. They, like, at least my parents would text me too. They'd be like, oh, you know, we can't drive home. We're going to stay at a hotel across the street or something. Right. Or at our friend's house that we're at. Like, mm -hmm. I know it seems like a small thing to think he's suspicious for, but it's also like... A big thing. Right. At the same time, you're like, wouldn't you question that, though? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but also, he killed both his parents. That's, like, extreme. Slit their throats, too. That's, like, super personal and extreme. It, oh, yeah. It's... You'll see as it keeps going down. It's just very intimate. Like, it, like a different... In a different wow. way. Yeah. So, four months after the murders, detectives were looking into Looney's life insurance policy. They found out that it was very large, actually. It was $240,000, four vehicles, 60 guns, and a state that would all be going to Chris. Oh, no. Chief of Police in Tazewell also noticed that Chris had moved multiple times after the death of his parents. It was brought to their attention that Chris had no alibi, and he never called investigators to check on the search for his parents' killer. Suspicious. <laughs> Chris, I have some questions. I have some questions. <laughs> they brought Chris in for another interview, but he kept his story of not knowing anything. Without any evidence, they had to let him go. Because you can hold somebody up for like a certain amount of time. It's usually 48 hours. 24 to 48. Right. But if you don't have anything, you have to let them yeah. go. If you can't charge them. Over the next four years, police conducted more than 200 interviews across a few states. 20 polygraphs, including one for Chris. And 175 pieces of evidence were examined by the Virginia State Police Crime Lab and the FBI Crime Labs. The officer said that even though it seemed like within those four years the case had gone cold, it had not because they were conducting all these interviews. They kept analyzing all these all these pieces of evidence, and a lot of people don't realize, you know, even if police are aren't saying anything, 
it doesn't mean that they stopped with the mm-hmm. case. Not, That's really true. Not all the time, at least. Right. They were out of ideas and new leads, and with no new physical evidence, they decided to interview Chris one last time. The investigators on the case reached out to a man named Richard Byington, uh, who is a cold case homicide interview expert. He has a special technique he uses to interview people, which includes fact analysis, behavior analysis, and the read nine step steps of interrogation, which was the company Rich worked for. Mm. Okay, Rich. Okay, Rich. There's just some qualifications you got there. <laughs> right. The interrogation starts by Rich telling Chris Looney that he has interviewed many people and he concluded that, quote, there's no doubt you caused the death of your parents. Whoa, he just, like, came at him? Oh, yeah. He walked in the room and he said, I know you fucking did it. <laughs> yeah, that, well, that's part of his technique. Ooh. After the immediate shock of that statement, Chris broke down and began to tell detectives everything <laughs> they wanted to know. Okay, hold up. Wait. <laughs> You're like, no, wait a minute. Chris, I have some questions. I'm not, you know, I want him to be caught because I thought he was going to do from the beginning too, but it's like you kept your story so simply for four years. Like, just consistently saying you know nothing is the easiest story to keep. And they- this man comes in, he goes, I know you did it. And you're like, you got me. Like, come on. They had no evidence. They literally had no evidence against him. And they were like, it was just a gut feeling. And they just decided they to bring him, him in. Like, you're guilty. And he was like, you're right. Like, yes. It's, <laughs> oh, it's like the... I was listening to a morbid case that they had recently put out um, where the guy who bakes gluten-free granola... Oh That's like Granola case, bars. Um, he literally texted his victim's phone and was like, oh, hey, it's me from the party you met last night. And yeah. it's the guy in the creepy white van, huh? <laughs> literally. I was like, if you didn't text her, you would have gone away with it. Like, like what the fuck, dude? Or like the Dexter killer. Oh, God. <laughs> we will cover that one because that <laughs> case idiot. had me. I can't remember which podcast I listened to, but I was like almost crying with laughter. That was so funny to me. No offense to the victims. <laughs> Not come at the victims, but the killer was like so. Oh, the dumb. killer was an idiot. Right, same entire <laughs> script. Fucking idiot. Oh my god. Seriously, like you stuck to your story for four years, and it was the easiest story to keep. All he kept saying is, "I didn't do it. I know nothing." They had nothing on him, and they had absolutely nothing. Like it's not like he spun this entire tale that is because it's like really hard to keep a big lie, you know. <laughs> they just said, "We think you did it." Oh shit! You're right. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? So, Chris said that that night his parents were murdered. He drove to Pizza Plus at about 10.30 p.m. He asked his parents for money, which quickly escalated into an argument. He told police every little detail about how he cut his mother's throat with a pocket knife, then chased his dad out of the store. He choked him until he passed out. Then he went back inside for his mother. This is when he hit her with the fire extinguisher to make sure she was dead. He went into the office, took the money bag that contained cash and checks, and then before leaving, cut his father's throat as well. He then threw away the knife, gloves, and money bag and drove off. He dumped his white Miata that he was driving in front of his girlfriend's house until it was towed away. Fuck you, Chris. Fuck you. That's bullshit. I was already mad and I was like waiting for the rest of the story. Like, you killed your parents over... You killed your parents over some money? How much money was it again that was stolen? It didn't say how much money was in the safe. I also couldn't find anything on video cameras. I was like, were there just no video cameras? Yeah, but if it's like a small, like, mom and pop shop, they don't always put them up. Or they put up fake ones. 
That's true. That, yeah. Yeah. We a did lot that of, in our shop. Oh, really? <laughs> we put fake ones. I was going to say, a lot of big, a lot of big stores do that. Because, like, you can look up at the, like, if you go to Walmart, some of them are real and some of them are just hollow. Yeah. That is such bullshit. I'm so mad. And your parents, like, do you know, like, the, like, psychology behind killing your own parents? And just how intimate, like, choking and, somebody is? Yeah, choking someone and slitting their throat. Like, you literally, he's looking straight into his mom's eyes. And then he feels the need to go back, like... And, I mean, to do it with a pocket knife... Pocket knives are small. Yeah, It's I was not a big that. knife. That's, like, over some money. Yeah. For $240,000. What? Oh, the... Oh, the state and stuff? Yeah. Well, just... But it feels like he did, wasn't even thinking about that part, necessarily. No. Like, if you went in there and he's just like, hey, can I have X amount of money? And they're like, no, you always ask me for money. Beach. Like, to escalate like that, that... that is, fuck you. So on to the trial, Judge Jack S. Chip Hurley Jr. was presiding. Chip. Chip. Yeah, that's what they called him. They called him Chip. Judge so. Chip. So Judge Jack S. Chip Hurley Jr. <laughs> Lord. Chris was indicted of two counts of capital murder and robbery. The capital murder charge was dismissed as part of a plea agreement. Uh-huh. Defense used no evidence or statements during the hearing. Well, they didn't have anything. No. All they had was his confession. No, no, no defense oh the def wait say that again defense used no evidence or statements during the hearing what the defense they didn't uh, use uh, anything okay no no no. so i'm, I'm getting <laughs> that noise <laughs> no okay hold on i'm getting i'm hold on okay okay the court played a tape of chris's confession for the jury where chris was crying this invoked no emotion for him which made the jury which looks real bad to the jury yeah okay here's the thing about juries though first like they actually have people who are like jury analysts Mm -hmm. if anyone's seen the show bull it's amazing that's like his job Mm -hmm. and it's so hard because like most of the time like um jury analysts will tell you like don't show any emotion but then like certain times that looks worse yeah so i can't always like put a lot of stake in that but yeah, and I get it. I like, think the biggest one for me though is when they replay nine one one calls and they don't react because psych- yeah. like, which I'll, I maybe I'll get into that in another episode. But there Ooh. is like a whole like psychological study on that, mm-hmm. and it's like most of the time if you have a genuine nine one one call where you, you were like legit freaking out, mm-hmm. that automatically like provokes that emotion in court because you're reliving that trauma. Yeah, exactly. And so th- that's one of the biggest ways that they prove that nine one one calls are fake when they are is like they replay it to the quote unquote victims or people that were there mm-hmm. and they have no emotion. Because right. it's like impossible like you're literally being forced to relive trauma. How are you not reacting? <laughs> Unless you're a psychopath, but that's true too. But I don't know. I, can't, I have mixed opinions on that. So this is why they didn't use any evidence or anything in Chris's defense. He pleaded no contest, which means he didn't dispute his guilt. She just rolled her eyes. So hard. Okay, whatever. Can you explain? What no contest is? Yeah. So Can no, you yeah. explain the difference between no contest, guilty, and not guilty for please? Okay, so no, so let's go. Not guilty obviously means they say they didn't do it. Didn't do it. They didn't did it. <laughs> Not guilty. Put my fucking teacup down. I'm like being all bougie over here. <laughs> so not guilty means that they claim they didn't do it and they're maintaining their innocence. Guilty means that they say they did do it and they're willing to take the consequences. Mm-hmm. And no contest means that they pled guilty 
but maintain their innocence. So it's basically they only, I know it's so annoying, they really only do that in order to make a plea deal. So they'll say, I'll, mm-hmm. I will plead guilty in court, but I want to maintain that I didn't do this crime. I'm going to tell you right now, like 90% of people who plead no contest are did guilty. It. Yeah. <laughs> people who truly didn't do it are not, like, very rarely going to plead no contest because mm-hmm. they don't want to taint their image at all because they want everyone to know, like, I am innocent. Yeah, I didn't do it. But it can be really hard because sometimes they have a lot stacked against you even though you didn't do it. Mm-hmm. And so it's better to take a shorter sentence. But maintain your innocence. Interesting. Yeah. It gets really complicated. I Yeah, this is the first time I ever heard it, and I was like, I... What? Uh (laughs) Okay, so he was charged with two life sentences without the possibility of parole. Wait, what was his plea deal for? He didn't get slapped with robbery, and it wasn't capital murder charge. (laughs) This defense attorney's a joke. So the capital (laughs) murder means that they take the death penalty off the table. Okay. That's what ca- capital murder is. Is like, the death penalty. Yeah, is the death basically. penalty case, or if you hear, like, capital case or whatever. Yeah. Uh, capital punishment is the death penalty. Right. But two life sentences, I mean... Without the possibility of parole. Without parole. I don't... That's the best they could do? <laughs> I mean, but he, like, brutally murdered his parents. I know. Oh I know that's... I'm sorry. That sounds super <laughs> insensitive that I just said that, but coming from a legal standpoint, which, for the record, I, I talk shit, but I'm not... A lawyer or anything. I just right. have a large <laughs> hobby of studying criminal law. Mm-hmm. That's what but she gave me for Christmas was a criminal <laughs> law textbook. <laughs> I gave her other things too. I happened to accidentally buy two copies of the same criminal law book. I mean, that's a little weak though. Not even one life sentence. Or the possibility of parole after 40 years. Like, I listen to cases like this sometimes and I'm like, this is the plea deal you took? Like, Right. You would have been better in court. All they had was his confession, which is super easy to dispute in court and say it was coerced. So <laughs> this is what I'm thinking is why he got the two life sentences without parole. So for the loonies, Chris had them cremated and has never told anyone what he did with the remains. Uh, to this day, detectives are still talking to Chris to try and locate the remains. Ooh. So that's why I think that his plea deal wasn't as good of a plea deal as it could have been. Right. To be fair, his confession was, like, very accurate. Yeah, and it was very... I feel like I would need to see or hear or read the exact confession. I don't think you come off insensitive, I think. Just because I'm like, that was the plea deal, like, he should have got less, but then I just think of it from a lawyer side of, like... Yeah. All you bargained out was the death penalty. Right. But you got nothing else, like, not even, like, a less maximum security prison or, like... Yeah. No parole, like... The victim's family read this during court. Chris, we love you and forever will love you, but we cannot forgive what you have done. Harvey's sister even said that the thought of his brother's only child killing him and leaving him to die in a cold parking lot alone gave her the chills. I would like to input right here really quick. I did read quite a few things that said they were the owners. I did read quite a few things that said that they also worked as like a shift manager and a driver. I think that they did both. Oh, okay. I feel like they were both. Okay, so what are your thoughts before we go to break? I mean, he's obviously guilty, so I'm, I'm like, I want to clarify that I'm okay with his sentencing of mm-hmm. two life sentences without parole. I have no problem with that, personally. I was just saying from, like, a legal standpoint, it's shocking that he still got that much when he pled no contest, because the right. whole point is to make a plea deal, like, I'll plead guilty, but I'll maintain my innocence to get a lesser sentence. With a case like this, it's surprising that they only took the death penalty off the table right and that they didn't you know like 
give him, you know, possibility of parole in 40 years or a less maximum security prison or something like that. So I just want to say I wasn't, like, sympathizing with the killer. Right. Just from a legal standpoint, was, I was a little surprised. It was, yeah, it was a little weird. But... And that's kind of what what we do. We we try and look from both sides, like, from yeah. a witness standpoint and from a um, kind of law standpoint. Yeah, because I just want everyone to know, like, I just have a lawyer brain sometimes, so I'm not sympathizing with him at all, like... Well, because I, <laughs> I was even listening to the Maddie Clifton case, and I was like, why did I even bring up the porn? <laughs> right. Like, I know it's so hard to. I know. I li- when I listened to that case, I was like, Sierra, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. That's my like thing. I, I mean, I'm convinced he did it, and I think he that he should rot in prison too. Yeah. I mean, it just seems like. Oh, I don't want to say that because that makes it sound. I don't want to say like seems like such a stupid crime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if you had a better reason to kill them, no. But yeah, it just seems it's so stupid. Dude, like, you killed your parents over money. Money. Mm -hmm. Money, yeah. Any crime based on money is ridiculous to me. Oh, yeah. Not that other crimes are better, but... But the ones on money are just... I don't know, yeah. I think I've just come from a family, too, that, like... Like, my parents were pretty well off when I was a kid, and we'd go on, you know... We went to Hawaii multiple times, and we'd go on school trips sometimes. Well, not really. Mm -hmm. But we'd go on, like, a lot of vacations, and we'd have nice things and everything, but my parents were still like, you want it? Work for it. Yeah. Even if they could afford it. Like, it could literally be something that was, like, $20, and my parents would be like, all right, here's a list of chores. Right. You want it? Work for it. And so, when people, like, do horrific crimes over money, it makes me so mad. Like, work harder in your life. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody's gonna hand you things. Yeah. I don't know. That's true. That's how I was raised, too. That makes me so mad, and I feel so bad for the family. Yeah. That he took those people, and, like... Over money. Right. And we watched that video about, like... Those were, like, his friends, or their parents' friends that and worked at the siblings, shop, and they were, like, yeah. they were amazing people. Like, you you took those people out of the world because of money. Yeah. Because you wanted to borrow a couple hundred bucks or something from your parents. Or like, whatever. What? Even if it was a couple thousand dollars, like... If, if it got into that big of a fight, I feel like he was always asking for money. Yeah. And his parents were trying to teach him to fucking work for shit in life, like... <laughs> well, and he was about 32 at the time that he was arrested. So he was. Whoa, wait. He was 28 when he was at his parents' house asking for money. Okay, now I'm even more mad. <laughs> Come on, dude. 28? Yeah. What'd you need the money for? Drugs? <laughs> Hookers? <laughs> I don't know if I have, like, really a whole opinion just because. Fuck you, dude. Right. I'm just thinking to give us more. That was a pussy move, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> It was, though. Okay, let's go ahead and take a break because this one's going to be a twofer. Are you trying to create a podcast but don't have the money for all the equipment it takes? Maybe not so great with all the editing? Not sure how to distribute your podcast once you have everything recorded? Well, look no further because Anchor is here to help. Anchor is the easiest way to make podcasts. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your computer or phone. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And best of all, it's free. We looked at so many different distribution websites before finding Anchor and wish we had found it sooner. They even set you up with sponsors they think will fit the vibe of your podcast, which you can accept or decline at any time. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Happy Happy podcasting. podcasting! And we're back. 
Okay. So the next case comes as a suggestion from my cousin from Pennsylvania. Actually, her name's Morgan. And you've probably seen her share our podcast all over her Instagram. She sends it to all of her friends. Like, we should give her half our money. We got like $15. (laughs) We can have five. (laughs) We can have five. (laughs) But thank you, Morgan. I love that you share that. Yes, I was like so happy. That makes me so happy. So she sent me this and she was like, hey, I thought you could do this as an episode. She's like, there's a twist at the end. Ooh. And I'm not going to tell you about it because right. I Wait want for the end. <laughs> right. I want you to be like, <gasps> but I love my cousin very much. She's a yes. very big supporter. Um, so, so I was super excited when she sent me this local case. Well, she's actually buried in my cousin's town of Weatherly, <laughs> Pennsylvania. What? Oh. oh, did you think my cousin was yeah. buried? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Morgan. <laughs> Apparently you did. I am so sorry. For once, I'm actually tipsy on our podcast, and I was like, your cousin's buried there? I thought you said she was alive. and sending you messages from the grave. But thank you, Morgan, again, for your recommendation. And for your she constant sharing. Boring. Oh, she's amazing. And she's, like, tough as shit. Oh. Yeah, she was born with um, multiple holes in her heart. She's a fighter, oh. for real. To Morgan. So, to Morgan. So this takes place on December 20th of 1976 near the Lehigh River in Carbon County, Pennsylvania. This is very close to a small town called Weatherly where my family's from. This next part is going to be graphic, so I'm just going to put that in here right now. Uh, Five days before Christmas, 14-year-old Kenneth Jumper finds a suitcase in the woods near the Lehigh River under the Interstate 80 containing a severed head of a woman along with nearly a full-term fetus. Shit, Morgan! Damn! Her face, she went to go take a bite of asparagus and she, like, her jaw dropped. It escalates quickly, right? I think this case would be great for you. (laughs) Right off the bat, just... I thought you were going to set me up, like, taking a nice stroll in the woods. He's well, got I mean, a German it, shepherd. It was a nice stroll Find in the woods. Find a severed head in a fetus. Jesus. Yes, Morgan. She knows us. Right. She knows <laughs> That's us. my type of shit. She knows that I like the really <laughs> gruesome cases. Damn. I laughed my ass <laughs> off because we had a, <laughs> I had a call with that podcast promotion guy and he was like, I couldn't listen to your entire episode because it was really scary. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> I was like, sorry. Was it, wasn't that the Maddie Clifton one? But he was like, I could totally picture the waterbed. I was like, you got all the way to the waterbed? <laughs> <laughs> I could picture the waterbed. Okay. So once police arrived, they found two more suitcases with the rest of her body. They believe that the suitcases were thrown off the overpass. Uh, One was still closed and was about 20 feet away from the other two. Those two suitcases had popped open from impact. They discovered that this woman's killer had violently raped her, strangled her, and shot her in the throat before slicing her into precisely cut pieces and stuffed her and her fetus into three separate suitcases. I feel like the trigger warning was not proper enough for me. I'm sorry. Wow. I mean, I can handle it, but... Her nose, ears, and breasts were also cut off. Oh my god. You really said, and also... Um, I'm sorry, don't think I'm laughing at the victims, for real. That's horrific. I'm just so, like, shocked. I laugh when I'm appalled. No, it doesn't make sense. 
God damn. So it was later determined that the murder weapon was a finely serrated knife. What? Finely serrated knife? This is why we need recordings so people can see your face. I know. I try to like voice my opinions because I know I make a lot of facial expressions. You do. Whoa. (laughs) So back in the late 70s, early 80s, DNA was fairly new and wasn't nearly as advanced as it is now. But police still had quite a bit of evidence. They knew what 95% of Beth Doe's face looked like, and they also had dental records, fingerprints, a newspaper, and writing on her hand and suitcase. Okay. They had a lot of evidence. On her left hand were the letters WSR, along with the numbers either 4 or 5, and then 4 or 7. They couldn't exactly make out what the numbers were, but Mm. there was one after the other. My thought was that it it's possible she wrote down like a license plate maybe but that's not enough letters oh but a partial plate but a partial plate yes um a combination was another one of my theories and then i was reading on reddit a couple theories and the one that stood out to me the most was that wsr could have stood for women's services and resource oh i just got chills from that i know Whoa. So Beth Doe was estimated to be 15 to 25. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> the, the way you are throwing this information at me. I know. No, I'm here for the roller coaster. I'm just not used to this style of writing. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I need you to do this more. Okay. I just need you to just fucking throw info at me. Beautiful. I'm going to. Okay. Beth Doe was estimated to be 15 to 25 with brown hair, brown eyes, and type O blood. She had scars six inches above her heel and a mole above her left eye and on her cheek. Her due date was very soon, and she would have had a full-term healthy baby girl, deeming the fetus Baby Jane Doe. So she's still unidentified? I'm getting there. Okay, you you, you get there, because I have some concerns. <laughs> okay. In 1983, the officials in Carbon County buried Beth Doe and Baby Jane Doe in the Lowry Town Road Cemetery near the borough of Weatherly, where they buried people whose families didn't have, like, enough money to lay their loved ones to rest. They had this, um, it was called a potter field. Every grave has a small cross for the deceased, and this is the one that they have for Beth and baby Jane Doe because they were put in the same casket. Aww. So in the early 90s, Officer Tom McAndrew joined the Pennsylvania State Police. He worked other homicide cases and is an Amber Alert designee, but his real interest was cold cases. When he heard about Beth Doe's case, he was immediately intrigued. I love him. Be a Tom McAndrew, okay? Literally. Now, in Pennsylvania, I'm not sure if it's this way in other states, but in Pennsylvania, found body cases or unidentified cases are given a random number and the investigators are required to update each case once a year in case there's any new methods or scientific advancements, Mm -hmm. right? So, in 2007, the police had Beth Doe exhumed and DNA samples pulled. They sent samples of her DNA to the University of North Texas Center for Human Identification, where it was entered into a database. With this database, the university could try and match any DNA that families had sent over the years to help match any unidentified missing persons. Which is an awesome idea. Yeah, that's amazing. I know Florida has something like this, and we're going to talk about it in our next case. So officials reburied Beth and baby Jane Doe and replaced the wooden casket that they were originally in 
because they put the bodies in a green bag to kind of preserve them and then put the bag in the casket. Mm -hmm. They replaced it with a metal casket. Okay. This case went cold for 44 years. Whoa! Until March 31st, 2021. They finally identified Beth Doe as 15-year-old Evelyn Collin from Jersey City, New Jersey. No fucking way! Yes! March what? 31st. I thought there was 30 days in March. No. 30 days past September, April, June, and November. Oh my fucking god. Right? That's how, that's what it, that's what it says? Yes, yeah. That was, wait, that was literally two days ago. Yeah. Morgan! <laughs> we'll leave that in. Mor- Morgan, you have fucking nailed it. Right. That was two days ago. Mm-hmm. They finally identified her? She oh. sent it to me the day it was released. Holy shit. Okay, here's my thing. Whoa. Ah! <laughs> I'm like having a spasm Wait, right now. Wait, before you comment, do you want to find out how? Yes. Okay. Was it genealogy? No. Oh, so wow, they, what? Yeah, no. What was it? They conducted a specific test called isotopic testing that analyzes the chemical content of water ingested by the victim. This can tell them roughly where they're from once they match it to a specific location. The test results suggested that Evelyn was actually from Western or Central Europe and had lived in the U.S. since she was a child to her early teens. Yes! Oh my god! I'm I'm freaking out! That testing is fucking amazing. Right? And oh my... She nailed it, right? Morgan, Morgan, Morgan. <laughs> you, damn, sis. Okay, listen here, girl. I said genealogy. You said no. Let me give you something better. Right. That testing is phenomenal. I have read all about that. Wow, I don't even know. Like, I have thoughts, but I don't even know how to process them. That you, was two days ago. Do you want to hear the end of it? I love it. And yes. then you can, uh, yes. while you and process I- your thoughts. <laughs> So police have charged 63-year-old Louis Sierra for the homicide of what? Evelyn Collin. What the fuck? Morgan, you're killing me. They have him in for questioning now. So with this case, we can update it for you in real time if you'd like to hear more. Whoa, what? This is a roller coaster on my life right here. I know, this entire case. Wait, how, how did they get this guy? Where did where did that come from? I don't know. I They haven't released that yet. They just said, this is who we have. Right, okay. For the record, in real time, they don't give you all the information. No, they don't. I just want people to know and be like, you didn't look hard enough. You didn't look hard enough? Oh my god. They released that on the 31st too? They had to. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. the fucking 2nd of April. Yeah, they said it on the 31st. 31st was when it was published. They identified her and found a suspect in the same day? I don't know if it was in the same day, but that's when they released her identity. Oh my fucking god. I'm losing it. I know. Working. She had a couple theories that I thought were interesting, her and her mom. So she said, it's a super interesting case. I know where she's buried. It's on the outskirts of Weatherly, which is where she's from. She said, I can't wait till the full detail story comes out about how they solved it. I'm wondering if her killer was the father of the baby and he was 17 at the time and she was only 15. So he knew he could get into trouble. The baby was almost full term. Is what her and her mom. That would be statutory in most states. I think actually yeah. in Pennsylvania, 16 is the legal age. Oh, is it? Of adulthood. I don't um, know. Per- I, let me look it up. Okay. But yeah, uh, that's what she was She was thinking. Which is a really good theory. For the record, I live for this. I cannot find... I'm about to make my boyfriend invent an app to keep me updated on true crime. Because <laughs> I cannot get my daily fix on Google News. I'm sick of Google News. Wow, that was two days ago. Yeah. So my main thing I was going to say is that 
I'm surprised she wasn't identified because she had such distinctive markings. Yeah. Like, there was the scars above her ankles mm-hmm. and the mole and the fact that she's, like, basically nine months pregnant. Yeah. Like, that's crazy that she wasn't identified sooner. I'm wondering if she came from Europe by herself. True. Right? Maybe she didn't have any, like, relatives to identify her. Mm-hmm. That was my thought. Whoa, girl. I'm, like, losing over here. Wasn't that such a good recommendation, though? Yes! Thank you. Yeah. That was amazing. You fucking killed it. I'm giving I'm gonna be fucking credit. following this all the time now. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna Google it, like, once a Every month. Every... <laughs> si- oh, my month? I'm more obsessive than you are. Sorry. <laughs> like, a week over here. Like, is there news? Which reminds me, for those of you that know this case, we will... Fo- we, we will do this case at some point. Mm-hmm. There is so much information that I... I've just been a long time collecting it. Yeah. But for those of you that know this case, Ghislaine Maxwell, which is part of the Jeffrey Epstein case, was finally fucking charged with soliciting a 14-year-old for sex. Gross. So I am obsessive even more with that case, and I keep looking at the news every single day. See, that's the one case you're going to do that's going to just, like, destroy me mentally. Absolutely. The reason that I stick on this case isn't, like, the horrendousy of, like, the specific act. It's, like, that the fact that it was a large ring of high society people and everyone let it happen. I don't even want to watch the, like, Netflix show just because I, I'm, i like, what am I going to see? That's why I don't want to watch, like, so Don't Fuck With Cats. Oh, I can't watch. I don't know if I can watch that one. No, yeah, I've watched the Jeffrey Epstein twice. It doesn't really, it doesn't, like, show anything that. It just gives you, like, the reports and a lot of witness statements. Like, yeah. a handful of the girls Almost like interviewed. Almost like an ID documentary. Yeah. Okay. I could probably do that, I guess. Okay, so that was our two cases. So now to sober you up, we're going to do our palate cleanser. And this is actually a tip on how to, like, not get murdered, <laughs> not get kidnapped. And my boyfriend sent it to me, actually. So child, or not even child traffickers, human traffickers will put zip ties on your mirrors, on your door handles, on different bits of your car. So you stop in a parking lot and you try to take them off. If you ever see a zip tie or anything like that on your car that you didn't place there, get immediately in your car or go back into the store and Mm -hmm. say, hey, can I have somebody walk out with me? Because I don't feel comfortable. You can call the police even. That's their job. Don't be afraid to call the police. Literally. I called the police about a dog that was in a car and it was at night. That is a really good one, actually. Mm -hmm. But also, don't be afraid to call the police. That Mm -hmm. is literally their job. If they're irritated that you called, then they shouldn't be on the police force. (laughs) If you're worried about your safety, call the police. No, but you can also, like, learn your non-emergency number or look up your non-emergency or just call 911 because that's fine. Uh, a good dispatcher, a good police officer should be like, I understand you're worried about your own safety. Yeah, absolutely. I've called the police multiple times for things that escalated quickly after I had already called the police, so. Yeah. Um, Another one that I've read about that is also those stickers that people put on the back of their cars. Yeah. That say, like, how many people are in their family. Oh, yeah, Uh, no. They're actually recommending that you don't do that now because it lets sex traffickers know, like, you have this many girls, this many boys, and what age, and all of that, and they can easily follow you home and find out. I know that sounds super paranoid, but to be fair, we live in Arizona, 
and sex tra- sex trafficking is a big deal here. And it's a, a lot of it's contributed to our highways yeah. because it's just so easy to get off and get on another one and mm-hmm. they connect to a bunch of different things like So you might live in a small town where you think we sound paranoid, but it's a really big deal in Arizona with sex trafficking. If you live here or a state similar to ours where there's a lot of highways and a lot of easy access, honestly, mm-hmm. those are some tips. I think it's a lot based on, like, how our roads are made, too, because we're in a grid pattern, mm. so you can literally find where you're going and always find a highway. Mm-hmm. Tucson, Arizona is, like, top five of sex trafficking risk. I don't feel like that was a palate cleanser for anyone. I feel like they're just more scared now. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was more of, like, a tip. Okay, so let me give you a weird law in Arizona since we talked about how we're at risk for, cool. you know, trafficking. That sounds good. It is illegal to feed garbage to a pig. (laughs) (laughs) What? And also, (laughs) an activity of fortune telling, palm reading, or palmistry is a misdemeanor in Arizona. What about, like, tarot card reading? My mom just paid to get that done. That's technically fortune telling. (gasps) Mom? (laughs) You broke the law, Amy. Amelia. It's also illegal to dig up and move and or just dig up a saguaro cactus. Oh yeah, but and that I will personally come for you if you do that. I didn't know this. Our friend Lisa told us told me this. If you uproot a cactus and you have them planted somewhere else, it has to have the same directional source of sunlight as well. Saguaro. Saguaro. <laughs> she just made a cactus movement. With her hands. Now, I will come for you if you try to fucking kill your saguaro cactus. I will fight you so hard. I asked Robert, I was like, why is it illegal to do that? There's like fucking millions of saguaro cactus. Because it's our state cactus. Yeah, and apparently he told me it takes like hundreds of years to grow. Yes, it takes a hundred years to grow the main body and 60 years for each arm. That's nuts. So they are like protected because it takes so long to grow them okay sorry okay hold on i have a question what is it saguaro or saguaro su- saguaro why is there a g i don't know who the fuck taught you how to pronounce <laughs> saguaro. <laughs> no it's saguaro <laughs> the fuck? i know it's cacti but i love saying cactuses Next week, we talk about Lily's grammar issues. Okay, so that was actually a palate cleanser. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, We hope you enjoyed it. Morgan, you killed it. That was amazing. Morgan nailed it. All right, we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have any questions or comments, you can email us at morbidlyintoxicatedpod at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at Morbidly Intoxicated Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Morbidly Intoxicated Pod. And you can also follow us on our new Twitter page at Morbidly Intox, I-N-T-O-X. Thank you to Kelly Carroll for our amazing artwork. You can follow her on Instagram at Art by Kelly, Kelly spelled with an I. Big shout out to my friend Taylor Hertz, who did our fantastic theme music. You can find him at his website, spelled T-A-Y-L-O-R h-e-r-t-z dot com and thank you to javi romero for our awesome photographs you can follow him on instagram at orange underscore javi spelled j-a-v-i-e again thank you guys so much if you'd like to leave us a review that would be awesome it would help us out a lot go ahead and share this with your friends and we'll see you next episode Bye. bye
sorry, future Lily. 